0: Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to an episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here. How are you doing, Anita? I'm
0: good. We're good.
1: How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. Exciting for this episode. It was a, it was a good episode to uh, do, wasn't it? I've been chasing uh, this guy. time lucky, as well. Some people are hard to um, connect with in the first place. They're hard to try and interact with, and they're hard to then get on on <laughs> he's things. He's lucky so because usually get two strikes with us and you're
0: out. But yeah, Because you it's went that and met even. him in Dubai and watched football with him, we gave him a third chance. Yeah, I mean, it it's it worth it because it's an interesting podcast.
1: Yeah, I did actually even say to that when I met him in real life. I did actually say. You are so lucky. We're going to give you this opportunity, so don't mess it up again because, you know, it's only because we, we can see potential in you and we, I've met you now, so you like, oh, okay, okay, I won't. I think it's just because he's one <laughs> of these such a
0: bossy uh, woman. <laughs> well –
1: it's right, though, <laughs> isn't it? Like, do you know what I mean? We can't – this is a, a lesson in business, guys. Don't, you know, don't give too many chances away or too strikes. Don't, don't let people mess you around. Out. That's yeah. basically it. Yeah, you're just as valid as someone else just because they have different things that they do. Yeah. But to be fair, he what he did have to jump on a plane to Switzerland one of the times to go and sell a supercar. So I give you a bit of an inkling of who it is and uh, what it's about. But, yeah, this is this, – It's this, like a whole different world. So on this
0: podcast, Gary basically – trades, deals, whatever, in supercars. So he buys limited edition supercars that, you know, aren't uh, aren't many in the world, for millions and then, or well, people want them and they ask him and he goes and sources them and finds them and sells them. So he obviously makes money along the way. And in this podcast, he tells quite a few stories about his clients who are all, you know, billionaires and interesting people in their own right. And then off air, he told us a load more stories as <laughs> well. So very, very interesting. He's been doing it for 40 years. I think there's probably... No one he doesn't know about or hasn't met in terms of anybody that likes cars and can be in a fortunate enough position to spend millions of pounds on them. Although I I struggle to get my head around it. We did say in the podcast that it's like stereotypically it's more of a man thing than a woman thing. I'm not saying there aren't women that love cars. I'm sure there are. But I said that I saw a really nice car. And that's the only way I can describe it. It said Bugatti on the front, but I don't know what it was. it was very low down, looked quite uncomfortable. And every single man that walked past it stopped and took a picture. Some, like, got really low. One was lying on the floor <laughs> yeah. taking pictures at the right Some angle. licked it. <laughs> <laughs> except and no, I just didn't and I did think oh Jack might like that my son but whenever yeah. I see a nice car in London and send him a picture he just goes because mm, he's off that age now so I just thought no not interested but um yeah I have to try and think of the equivalent in my head that makes me excited to look at it Michael Bublé <laughs> oh
1: no you don't like Michael Bublé do you Mr Christmas
0: <laughs> it's that time of year and I've obviously been hearing him He does have a lovely, like, crooning voice.
1: Yeah, I do like, you know, I I don't mind the odd Christmas song from him, but overall, you know, it's not for me. Anyway, enough of Michael Bublé. Let's get into it.
0: If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe.
2: My company is called Knight International and uh, I'm basically a global supercar, hypercar, race car broker. So my job is basically find very difficult and expensive cars for very wealthy individuals. I trot around the world looking for these cars. I have nine other associates, partners I call them, although they're not affiliated to my company, but uh, They also source cars for me. In a nutshell, that's what I do.
0: See, I think that sounds like, you know, like a teenage boy's dream (laughs) job. If if my son said to me, that's what I'm going to do, I'd be like, don't be ridiculous. So how did
2: you end up doing that? Uh, First of all, I have to agree with you. I mean, I'm very, very fortunate to do a job that I'm so passionate about. I remember my earliest memories of pushing little cars around, you know, the living room floor. Yeah, driving my mother mad with his cars all over the place. So very, very fortunate about it. I started off just as a salesman uh, in the home improvement world and saved up enough money to buy my first Ferrari at uh, I think I was twenty-six years old. And how much was it, that? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was around. It was a lot of money back then. That was, I mean, that's forty years ago. I think it was fifteen thousand pounds. Mm. So, but it was a bit of a banger. It even had holes in it. And uh, but I did but that's it probably ten and,
0: times the value. That's probably ten times worth now, yeah. isn't it?
2: Yeah, now, no, I get that. Yeah. So I did this car up and sold it and bought another Ferrari and then another, and I sold them. And then somebody, I said that, um, oh, do you have this particular Ferrari? I said, no, but I see what I can do. I said, if I can find you one. And then I had one of those eureka moments where, Do you know what? I think I'm going to find out where every single Ferrari for sale is in England and compile a list. And I soon become the person that even dealers would call just to say I'm looking for a Ferrari 348 or whatever it may be, 246. Do you know where one is? And of course, I did. If there was any for sale, I knew where it was. And I get a little commission from the uh, seller and a bit of commission from the buyer my job was born and this is all pre-internet isn't it and then 1986 came along the internet came along and then uh, yeah I become a global superstar by then So uh, yeah
0: and yeah. I guess it's it's one of those jobs I imagine that it's about being that person in the nose who you know so once you're known as that people start telling you and it just becomes easier and snowballs
2: I think it would be very difficult or well, certainly I wouldn't want to start this business t- today. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, there was no such thing as supercar brokers. I mean, even the cars weren't called supercars. They were just plain sports cars back then. I gained a big database. So when the internet came, I could sort of network from the database I already had. I was just compiling something from my own website today. And it was really about why do billionaires choose night international and i was surprised how many billionaires i take care of yeah i have one billionaire in america called jimmy john he owns 2400 jimmy john restaurants they're not really yeah they're not really restaurants they're like subway sandwiches it's very similar to that he never heard of it that's a lot of restaurants for something we've never heard of nothing outside the u.s Mm. He's worth, uh, if you Google him on Wikipedia, you see he's worth around $2 billion. And uh, mm. he borrowed 30,000 off his father 30 years ago. His lawyer was telling me this. He borrowed 30,000 to open up his first sandwich bar, and now he's got nearly 2,500 of them. Yeah.
0: So, do these so, people have like a love of cars their whole life or do you think people get money and think oh I don't know what to spend it on oh I know I'll buy
2: a car I think they're like me they're just super passionate and just privileged and wealthy enough to afford the cars that most of us dream about so uh, Mm. the car he asked me to find was a Ferrari FXXK Evo there's around 40 of these cars they're only a track car you can't use them on the road I found him one sold it to him for 3.7 million You can't even use it on the road! Yeah, can't even use it on the road. And this is a big guy, you know, I'm sure he'll forgive me, but then i squeeze himself in this car. But he likes two of everything. So he likes one that he can use and one that he likes to store, preferably with the delivery mileage. I found him another car that the sale's going through now for a delivery miles Ferrari FXXK that I sold him for 5.5 million. And that car is never going to be used.
0: See, I'm a bit weird in that I only I when I go to the supermarket buy two of everything so I like to have I'm a bit of a stockpiler but I'm talking like baked beans not Ferraris <laughs> for millions of pounds
2: There's so you've probably it? got a can of baked beans what 1995 or something <laughs> in <didn't> you <laughs> Yeah, but you're never, never to be driven. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the, your old baked bean can's not going to increase in value, but your Ferrari.
0: Yeah, see, so some cars are an investment, aren't they? So we think of cars as you know, you lose 25% as you drive off the forecourt and you know, you lose money, but they're a necessary. You buy a car for X, you sell it for a lot less than that, and then you have to buy another one. But actually, yeah. cars can be an investment at your level,
2: can't they? I have hedge funds that use me, use my company. And it's purely about gaining money, making money from it. It's a hedge fund also that bought an FXXK from me. They bought it for back then in 2018, a 2015 car. They bought it in 2018 for 32 I can sell that car for over 4 million today. And that's because Uh,
0: there's only so many made, is it?
2: Yeah. And they're just difficult to find. Not many. The people that own them, you know, rarely sell them. So uh, they're not speculators, these guys that own these cars. They're collectors. They love them. Yeah. And why have one when you can have five? You know, and that's what... Some of them will do, but the hedge funds will capitalize on, on this. They know this growth. So they will be they're asked me to get, which are normally VIP cars. Like, I'll give you an example Ferrari uh, building a Ferrari Daytona SP3, they're still at build slot stage and they'll start being delivered next year. They are I'm trying to remember this. I'm trying to remember off this head back going through my notes. The car is. million euros, but I can sell those slots and I've sold 11 of them for 2.5 to 3 million. So So you
0: buy them off the manufacturing line?
2: No, I cannot. These cars are only available for what they call Ferrari VVIPs. These are Ferrari tubes out of their database they are best people; those that they want to look after. Yeah, so they become VVIPs. Ferrari will offer them the car. They always buy them, even if they don't even have a name. Sometimes they're sold just with a code name before the launch, and there may be just a picture of it. But these VVIPs will buy them at that stage, and then um, and there's a two-year no resale contract attached to these cars to stop speculators oh yeah so so what we do is that i have a list of clients that want to sell them and i have a team of lawyers and we've developed a very good contract to that protects the uh, seller so ferrari don't learn about the sale of it i can't reveal how we go about it we can basically have a contract where the buyer buys the car during this two-year restriction period and protects the seller so he doesn't lose his VIP status and get blacklisted. Interesting, yeah. I love it's that
0: you've gone, well, here's the boundaries, but I'll work out how to do what I want to do within those boundaries and protect everybody yeah. involved rather than go, can't do it.
2: Ferrari's a great brand and it's not just Ferrari that do this, many other brands do it. I think that why, you know, why should there be these VIPs? If somebody's prepared to pay more, then let's open up this market. And yeah, <laughs> and there's very few people in in the world that can do this, what I'm what I'm doing ensures me of, a, of an income. So, do you ever get involved with the manufacturers at any level, or do you just afterwards? They sometimes try to take me to court. Do they? What I, for? Well, because I'm facilitating, you know, a, what they consider illegal, but it's not mm. illegal. It's just against their policy. Well, it's their rules. That's not the law, yeah. is it? Yeah, exactly. They've got lawyers all over the place and I get regularly a a threatening letter to stop what I'm doing, but I, I never do. Yeah, so, uh, good, luck,
1: good luck stopping you after 40 years. They've got
2: no chance stopping me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and also what, what I love is that because you did it 40 years ago, you know what the life was like 40 <laughs> years ago before the internet. And like you said, people that are mm. trying to do it now that have access to all this internet, actually it's going to be harder for them to in- infiltrate it because you were doing it old school and there's a lot of ways that you still, when, when we met and you were, you were talking to me about it, there's a lot of ways that you in actual fact are still old school, which I love which is like mm. you were just, somebody wants something right now and you get a message right now, you will just jump on the next flight, won't you? To go and actually see them. Whereas a, a lot of people that are trying to do this, I guess want to sit behind a laptop and tip tap and whatnot Whereas you'll still do that old. Or school, maybe doing it on the side and don't
2: have the time to yeah. go out. Yeah. Well, many brokers. I mean, uh, I used to have a domain name which I used for a few years or well, many years called supercarbroker.com. I think I was talking to Anna about this when we was watching the England game. I think I was distracting her from the football. <laughs> but uh, Your wife yeah. is
1: like, we're trying to watch <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you can just wake up in the morning and, and say, I'm going to be a supercar broker mm. today. And you may be an exhaust fitter in the day and a supercar broker at night. Yeah. And the person that you're dealing with doesn't know that you're an inexperienced amateur that hasn't got a clue what they're doing and doesn't have any of these services like logistics, like escrow, like lawyers yeah. and contracts mm. and everything else that goes with this job. It doesn't seem to stop these bedroom brokers. That's the term I call them. Yeah. And and I get contact. I mean, a lot of my time is wasted by these bedroom brokers. I, mean, I must have blocked at least 200 of them. They're just a complete waste of time. I got rid of supercarbroker.com because I didn't want to be associated with these uh, bedroom brokers. So I became Knight International and that name served me well. If you know, yeah. you
1: know. That's what I like about it. You're at a level now that actually... Don't you know, want people googling and finding you. You only find out about you if you are the right type of person to know about you. Because, yeah. like, you say, supercar broker doesn't doesn't do it, does it? It's not it's not what you do. Because trying to explain to somebody what you do when you first speak to someone, actually, it's not because we can all go. Well, we can't all, but if you've got the money, we can all just nip to the Porsche garage or buy a Ferrari or whatever. This is the next level of that. It's not just going and getting yourself first time you've ever got a Lambo or something. It's actually like these are limited edition. Lambo. Lambo, (laughs) get yourself a Lambo. It's because the kids we on the way to school we drive by a a house that's got a a Lamborghini on it, and uh, the kids always go, "There's the," they call it the Lambo house (laughs) because it's it's so beautiful, beautiful house that they always. You know when it's like Halloween, they go to town on it. When I was like, you go trick or treating, you go knock their door for <laughs> <laughs> you gonna get something good. Christmas, was the me and the kids said we're gonna send them a Christmas card and say thank you for always making your house look so nice. So we drive by every day, and they always, every time something's going on like Halloween, Christmas, whatever, they always like go to town on it. But yeah, it's the Lambo house.
2: Land That's really fun. <laughs> well, you are right, what you said, that uh, Well, two things you're right, what you said. First of all, if somebody wants me to find them a car or they got a car for sale, I don't rely on emails and, you know, and WhatsApp. I get on a plane and I go there. My whole world is about stories and it's about meeting these people. And in sales, when you're selling to people, it's not often what you're selling that gets that relationship. Gets a close relationship. It's about just chatting, isn't it? Yeah. It's about people are just people ultimately. Water cooler
1: moments. I think people at a certain level just want to be dealt with. Is the same as everyone else usually they don't want the ex- they don't want that sort of panic about the fact that they're a billionaire and people to bow to them and the oh god i would, to, would you? <laughs> 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 well, maybe when you? maybe when you become a billionaire you might change your mind <laughs> you might be like i was geez. in
2: a client wanted me to sell his bugatti sheer on so i said great it's perfect car uh we have customers for it um where are you i'll come and see you and let's discuss it so uh, he said what well, i'm I'm actually on my yacht in Cannes, in the south of France. So fine. So that's where we we met. I took my lovely wife with me. The yacht was called Lady Charlotte after his daughter called Charlotte. And they're just a lovely family. I asked him, "How do you afford the things that you've got? This boat's beautiful. Your car's beautiful. You know, what do you do?" And he said, "Well, when I was 19, he was working with his father in the kitchen." company in Holland in the Netherlands he didn't get on very well with his father after two years of working with his father without his father knowing he then got valuers to come along and work out the cost of all the assets of the company he then went to the bank and asked for a loan based against the collateral of the uh, of the company And he gave his father two letters. And he said to his father, open this letter first. And if you don't agree to it, open the second letter. So the first letter was, I buy your company and you retire. And the other letter was, if you don't sell it to me, I resign as his resignation. (laughs) And then he sold over a million kitchens to the government for social care housing. (laughs) And then he did it again with a company with coffins, you know, there's caskets. So... uh, just Mm. through the government where people die or people die without families. Mm. Sold over a million of those. But it's
0: the person, isn't it? Because you tell these stories and and so you talk about Jimmy John who had, you know, started with a sandwich bar and then there's now got over 4,000 cafes in in the US and then this person did it with kitchens. It it doesn't, and you think, oh God, if only I had that opportunity. But it doesn't matter what the product is. It's the person, isn't it, that can take anything and go, oh God, here's an idea and is a great Salesperson, an entrepreneur just has that vision and the balls to go for it, really. And you must see that. I I saw. I was in London at the weekend, actually, and there was a. It's. It was like a fancy low car, and it's on the front of it. It said Bugatti, and every man that walked past stopped and took a picture. And some of them were like getting down low, and like. And I just thought, (laughs) I hope whoever owns that hasn't gone so far that they're so used to it that that's meaningless to them. But they look out and, and are proud that that's their car. To me, it just looked really low and uncomfortable to get in and out of. But you know, it was just—I think I don't know why—but it's a man thing. Cars, isn't it?
2: Do I have any lady clients?
0: It's a great. I'm lady. Not sure there are a load of women. I'm not. I'm not. You know, but on the whole. From A stereotypical yeah. point of there's, view, there's men a, love cars more than women. Yeah,
1: there's a woman called Supercar Blondie. She does uh great videos on YouTube and um, she has like on, on uh on, across social media where she she's the blonde lady and she geeks out on these cars. But apart from her, I don't really know anybody that's that bothered about you know, all cars. female
0: racing drivers and stuff, aren't there?
1: Yeah,
2: they are. oh, I've got a they're free lady driver there. You- I think she's only one of a few UAE racing drivers called Amna A M N A. Yeah, Google her UAE racing yeah. driver Amna. Yeah,
1: will. yeah, yeah so you know, I love it. I love my F one. I love watching F one, but there is no way I would be driving. Like I'm just the worst driver. Like like I If I even saw a car, I don't think I should even get eye contact with them because you know I don't, I don't want to mess something up. But I I love watching it. I love I love watching other people drive them. And so I, I like, wouldn't mind being years, a passenger. But and seeing all these
0: amazing cars, are you still as excited for owning? I mean, do you still own like a fancy car?
2: I've got a couple of cars, a Le Ferrari and a, I think, what's that worth today? Probably three and a half million. I've got a F12 TDF here in Dubai, probably worth a million, I guess. And when you get, get in it,
0: do you still get that? You know, feeling like when I walk in a massive department store and there's a a bit of a sale on and I just get that excitement in my stomach, do you get that driving a car?
2: I would love to say yes, Jan. And and one of the people say to me how lucky I am that I do a job that I'm so passionate about, a childhood passion. That is true. But when you run a business, and you probably know yourself, that uh, if it's a business that you love, it does give you a kick in because You've got to run your business. You've got to deal with problems. You've got to deal with taxes. You've got to deal with the bad side. And it does give your passion a good kick in.
0: And anything so, uh, you do every day is going to get more mundane, isn't
2: it? It can become very ordinary. People say, I'm so lucky flying around everywhere. I've got to go to Washington in January because I can't fill it in in December. There are supercar manufacturers that asked me to be their global ambassador to sell them. Brabham was one of them. I flew to see them in Adelaide in Australia. And there we sold their first Brabham BT62 at the Monaco Grand Prix. I was on a super yacht full of Australians and clients, full of Australian New Zealanders. We put the car in the Fairmont Hotel, got them to come along and we sold. I sold one to a New Zealander. I couldn't even get in this car. And I got a video, I'll send it to you, I won't. <laughs> i won't put it out online but i was trying to get in the door of this car you know it's the roll cage and everything else and oh,
0: yeah
2: i couldn't do it honestly and so <laughs> uh, i gave up after 10 minutes of struggling and having a crowd around me now they got the car he, wrong clearly They've got their customers gonna get in it. you know he's <laughs> he's older than than me maybe uh yeah, maybe he's a fitter person than me. We sold that car for a million pounds. So these car companies call me. I don't chase them. In fact, these people, when I talk about Jimmy John and others, Prince Badger, Saudi Arabia, these other people that they find me. And I think that's what's good about being yeah, old school, yeah. being around. Now that's, for, like that, you say, that's cool
1: you called Knights International it's not you know it's not you don't know, go around googling mm-hmm. oh who shall I ask about super cause then if you know you know of all the different customers that you've had who's been your favorite customer to work with and why
2: I've got a few favorite people there are some I don't really get oh, on there are some people that have got their head ducked right up behind themselves people mm-hmm. like, <laughs> yeah. and uh, they can be difficult but I do have some lovely customers and I have one particular, I'm not going to say his name. I don't think he would want me to say it because uh, he won't want his staff to know the value of the cars that he has. And that's the only reason I'm not going to mention his name. But he's an English guy and uh, he calls himself the poorest millionaire that uh, you would ever meet. But he's got a garage worth millions of supercars. I sold him a, a Le Ferrari Coupe. I sold him a white one which I found in Prague then I found him another Le Ferrari coupe a Foucault Red. It's called like a dark red. That one was in Romania. Yeah, then I found him a Porsche 918 Spider Wysak model. Yeah, I found that in Holland. He's just bold. What I like about him, you say, Gary, I want this car, go and find it. And he'll put £4 million in my lawyer's account. And the instruction to the lawyer is, if Gary likes that car, send yeah. him the money.
1: Yeah, they're a perfect client, ideal
0: client. But that's because that's the, that's the relationship <coughs> side, isn't it? So mm. that's that you've got such a relationship that you're so good at what you do, he trusts you to have the right eye. And if you'd buy it for yourself,
1: he'd have that, yeah. And that's what we can't what emulate,
0: sort isn't it? Mm. No, what no sort one of can bis- just set
1: up and emulate that. Yeah. What sort track. of business does he run? Like, what kind of company does he have? Are you thinking he could be a client of ours? <laughs> no, just interested, like, <laughs> what, what, he, what he does and then, like, doesn't, like, want his phone. <laughs> Is, uh, employees
2: to know like how many cars yeah yeah I will show you offline what he does and yeah. he may well be a great person for a podcast mm. because yeah. uh, he started his business at 16 what he did he bought two cars did them up couldn't sell them opened up a taxi company and let hire two drivers he's only just a teenager and then managed these two drivers oh and then grew a business that was just phenomenal. Yeah, we'd so, uh, be great podcast guests. He's quite shy. He's he's a great racing driver as well. But you meet him, what we did, I asked whether I could borrow his McLaren P1, which is worth around £1.4 million pounds, for Ruth, what's the presenter, Ruth and Eamon? and oh, Holmes. Know. Yeah. yeah, Eamon Holmes and Ruth Langley asked me whether. Uh, They were doing a Channel 4 program, How the Other Half Live. And they asked me, could could I be on the show? Could you tell me what you do and stuff? And So uh, then I was exhibiting at a a car show in London. So I said, well, come here. We'll take you out in the McLaren P1. And then what I did, I got a number plate made with roof on it. And I put that on the car. And yeah, we had a great, they were lovely people, by the way. They seem lovely, yeah. Yeah. They work around 12 hours a day. He just had a hip replacement so he couldn't even get in the car. so we cut he opened the door, the gold wing door. but this client, the same person, one of my favorite customers, I took roof out down Knightsbridge in this car and he he's just a nice quiet individual until you put him in a race car or a hypercar like that. And all the screws come undone, and he's just mm-hmm. crazy driver. When I got him the Porsche 918 Spyder, I think that was around 1.5 million. He saw something on Top Gear where the lights, the speed camera doesn't go off if you're doing 160 mile an hour. So he thought he'd go out and <laughs> test that. And, uh, <laughs> But he didn't do it once. He said it didn't go off. I went backwards and forward. and must have gone up there about ten times, waking the whole neighbourhood up down this dual carriageway. So I, I, bet, I, might they've
0: just... cl- I bet they've closed that loophole now. <laughs> <Yeah. least. laughs>
2: Yeah, so that's probably another good reason not to mention his name because i will be uh, throwing him under the bus. The speed See, speed. the
0: thing with, with the nicer cars is it is too easy to speed, isn't it? Because I remember my, not the car now, 100 years ago, and when you went like 65, the whole thing rattled. Yeah. So you couldn't yeah. speed. You don't notice when you're in a, a nice car. car, you put your foot down and you suddenly, like not now, but you'd look and you'd think,
1: oh my God, I'm doing like 110, how's yeah. that happened? Like, yeah, slow down. Yeah, my
0: my very first yeah.
1: car, the Ford Fiesta. That was, and like I've never that, driven like that,
0: a, like a supercar. Obviously, yeah. I'm talking about you know a nice Volvo. Or yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> my yeah. my first car, the Ford Fiesta. It used to do that rattle, and then I, then I had a KA once. <laughs> I couldn't even go over sixty without it, like feeling like the doors were going to like fall off for a while.
2: So yeah, I had, my first car was a Ford Anglia. Anglia. We went camping in Margate. I think it was. It was there a week, and when we used the car, because we didn't use the car when we were there, within that week, the grass grew through the holes of the floor. <laughs> you, could <literally, laughs> you could literally mow your car. That's your a feature. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can picnic uh, yeah. in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember when I took it home and, uh, and then I left the car for the day, when I returned, the radiator was gone. Someone stole the radiator. Someone stole it. Yeah, Why they must they have thought it that? was dumped. I think they just, like, oh, this car must be Oh, dumped. they
1: needed like the spare part. Yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, so, like, oh, well, he's obviously yeah. not using this car because it's <laughs> such a wreck. I'll, yeah, I'll take wreck. it for parts.
2: And they're unfortunate enough to drive cars that they they don't have, have grass growing in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I still don't have any value for them. Whether I'm driving that Anglia or I'm driving a three and a half million Le Ferrari, they're just treated the same. I See,
0: I think that once you're in a car and you've got used to it, it's just the same. You could be in any car, really. I mean, I like, obviously, creature comforts are nice. Like, I like to be able to link my phone so I can listen to my book or whatever as I go along and I'd love a heated seat but apart from that parking sensors I love <laughs> I've got in, in my car now it's got a button to self-park but I'm too scared to press oh my, it because I, I genuinely don't know whether it would go forward or backwards yeah. and so it'd still be your fault wouldn't it you can't, it'd still be
1: your fault if you crashed into someone you can't go well that, it wasn't me it was the car you're yeah. still gonna you're still gonna be um liable
2: for it aren't you well, I'll, I'll probably never can, use that feature. You can get away with a few things by having cars like this. I remember when I was driving, I lived in Switzerland for 10 years. So I drive from England to Switzerland on a regular basis. Sometimes. Oh God,
0: I'd love to live uh, in Switzerland. I'll have to chat
2: with you about that. Yeah, I love Switzerland. It's, mm. it's so beautiful and clean. But I remember that I was doing around 170 mile an hour passing Reims in France and there must have been a speed camera, and the police come out in front of me, you know, further down the, the uh, motorway, follow me, follow me, and I followed them, and we come off the motorway, and my girlfriend at the time was asleep, but this beautiful policewoman got out the car, and she said, oh, you have a beautiful car, and I said, you are a beautiful woman, <laughs> and we laughed, and uh, and I said, can I take a picture of you? So she actually laying spread across yes. the bonnet of my Lamborghini, <laughs> Lambo, that's to your sons. Your Lambo? So. Yeah, yeah, got spread across my Lambo. And uh, yeah, and I'm taking pictures of her on the car with her phone. But my girlfriend woke up, so behind her is this angry face from <laughs> my She woke up, and this policewoman spread-eagled over the bonnet of my car. You'd imagine
0: you'd woken up in a parallel universe, wouldn't you?
2: (laughs) And then I I paid her like a €90 fine. If you're doing that speed, uh, they can literally confiscate your car, or you pay a fine around €25,000. So I think a bit of having a nice car, and she obviously liked those cars, and a few compliments, and a couple of photographs. Just ninety euro fine. So a charm yeah. goes a long way. But I remember, so I have to laugh at myself because I can't remember what car it was. Was I think it was a, uh, oh yeah, it was a Ferrari four five eight speciale, and uh, yeah, I was driving from London to Zug in in Switzerland in this car, and and it's quite a comfortable car for these type of things. But when you're doing eight hundred miles and you're going to do that in one day, in 24 hours, then, uh, you know, that's quite a tough... Mm. So what I did, I took all the pillows from my home, and I shoved them around so I can make a real comfy seat for myself. But when I pulled in the petrol station, people are looking at the car. So what I did, I quickly, before I get out the car, quickly, before I stop, quickly move all my cushions and pillows, and then jump out the car as if I just... <laughs> you know <laughs> to come out the gym Actually, you know like, yeah. <laughs> like a 20 year old where not this six year old man has been bouncing up and down on the motorway for like 800 miles so that's the thing when you drive a fancy car everybody looks
0: who's getting out of it don't
2: they I remember when I was 26 with my first Ferrari and seeing a man at 40 in a car and thought oh my god how that old man could drive that car <laughs> but of course when you're 40 you're not it happens I mean, super
0: fast, doesn't it? Age, yeah. So I mean, anyway, I, two questions we always ask all of our podcast guests are, yes. um, what makes you savvy?
2: I think just being streetwise, I think just coming from poor family, well, not a poor family, an ordinary family, I should say. Nothing's been given to me. I've, everything that I've achieved, I've done on my own. I've not had any investors or or any financial help from family. I just got on with it. And I think it's just that streetwise grit you know just seize an opportunity do what you love to do and uh and hope you make money from it
0: and the other question is to recommend a book that has inspired you in some way checkbook (laughs) (laughs) that's a great answer we've never had that one (laughs) yeah it's
2: definitely got to be a checkbook i mean i've gone through many many volumes of them and they're a thing you don't have no more you know but here in uh in the middle east everything's done by checkbook yeah. so you know, if you're yes. buying a car you're buying a house you're renting a home it's yeah it's 12 post dated checks or whatever it may be but Yeah, Yeah. And that's like cash as
1: well, that is. You can't have no bouncing checks over there, can
2: you? Someone's telling us. You bounce your check, you bounce yourself back home. Exactly. So that's my recommendation. Get yourself a volume of checkbooks.
0: If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Awesome. I told you it was going to be a good podcast and it's an interesting guy who's led an interesting life and is still just a normal down-to-earth guy you know he's not up his own arse he's not like you know mixing all these circles but he clearly has a jet set lifestyle and goes here there and everywhere and meets some very interesting people but I I think probably the reason one of the reasons he does so well apart from the fact that he obviously knows his stuff and has great contacts is that he is just a decent person to do business with yeah I bet his word is his bond or whatever they say and you know he shakes your hand and does a good deal for you
1: screenshot this episode
0: and share and tell
1: us who your super... What your I don't even know what my car own car is. I constantly get it wrong. You do, don't you? I've
0: got remember a real mental block with the word Volkswagen. You say Volkswagen. No, it is a Volkswagen and I you call say... it a Vauxhall.
1: Yeah, you say Not I've even had yet. a Vauxhall. It begins with something. a V. I yeah. think that's the thing into it. So, but see,
0: usually um, when I go to the airport to do meet and greet, and they say what card do you have, and I say the wrong one, and then they spend twenty minutes of them looking for it. So they should know as well that actually what yeah. I've just said isn't a car. But again,
1: cool. <laughs> see you all later. Bye bye.
0: That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media. Just search Get Savvy Club.